When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. It's Hogan Johns. It's really cool just to see how much the city of Chicago, you know, the Bears organization, the Bears fans, show love to a family that they barely even know. It is amazing. I love it. From NBC, NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Adam Ho. There's no ducking anybody in the NFL. It's like the Lions still have NFL players. And from the, from the athletic, it's Adam Adam Johns. You know, hasn't Justin Fields it enough to at least pique your interest to see what he can do yeah. with them too? It's the Adams. That's the best in the city of Chicago. Hogan Johns. The Adams converge. And we are underway. What's up? Welcome into to uh, Adam Hoagless. Hogan John, say hi, Kevin Fishbane. Hello, I know what Adam Hogue's doing right now. What's he doing? He's watching the All-22 of uh, <laughs> last night's mixed doubles curling tough loss to Italy. He's breaking now, it down. See, I, I was under the impression that he was prepping to interview for the Bears special teams coordinator opening, or at least pretending to, to prepare for such a thing because it's still open as far as 9.30 this morning. Does Chris Tabor need an assistant special teams coach out in Carolina? Oh, he would love that. He mm. would love that. I don't know if Jason McKee will let him out of his Carmel contract, though. But Yeah, you got to put in the slip. You never put in the slip like, to Carmel. That would be an upgrade, though, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Catholic League football. It's just kidding. Um, Adam Hogue is out today. Kevin Fishbane is in. You know the deal. Read Adam Hogue on NBC Sports Chicago. Kevin Fishbane and I are on The Athletic. Subscribe. Hit that like button on YouTube. All the fun stuff. Obvious shirts for hoodies like these if you're watching on YouTube. T-shirts. All that fun stuff. Kev, um, you doing all right? Snow's good? Off your driveway? Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's all right. Did some late night shoveling last night just to uh, clear some, some more paths. And uh, well, How late is late? Uh... Let's see. So it was it was take the bins to the curb day. Let well, yesterday. So yeah. So and, uh, you know that was it was probably like you know eight thirty. Not that late. But. No, that's not too late. I, I think ten o'clock is usually the cutoff. There's always that one guy in the neighborhood you know brings out the snowblower either mm. like five in the morning or eleven p.m. That just doesn't have have his times right. <laughs> you don't have that guy around you. No, no, our our the our next door neighbor. He's he's a he's a late morning snowblow guy. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just waiting for the Johns boys to be old enough where you can just ship them to to my house and they can shovel. They can drive north. Me. Yeah. Hey, it could be a nice little business venture for them. Yeah. There um, you go. We'll see. They didn't. Really, they weren't really too helpful yesterday with the seven or eight inches that we got around my house. But what are you gonna do? I just wanted to play in the snow. Um, I wanted to start with this. Today, uh, Fishman, um, Jim Harbaugh. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. We haven't texted much about this, but so Jim Harbaugh is, fish, is officially back to Michigan. He is not leaving the Wolverines for the NFC North and the the Vikings. Um, I think the last few days there's been a lot of 
called Angst in Chicago because of the potential of Jim Harbaugh joining NFC North. So I'm just curious, what's what's your read on this Harbaugh situation? Because I got I got some strong thoughts on it. Well, if you got the strong thoughts, maybe you should you should go first. I don't like how he came to. If I'm the Vikings, why should he be entitled to that job? Yeah. If I'm reading these reports correctly, the man thought he was going to Minneapolis to be offered the job, to like sign the deal there. No. Good for the Vikings for putting him through a nine-hour interview. Can, can you imagine Jim Harbaugh in like hour two, like how annoyed he was, and then like hour five, <laughs> how annoyed he was, and then hour eight, how annoyed he was that he was being put through this process? Good for the Vikings for doing their due diligence and not giving Jim Harbaugh what he thought he deserved. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a strange past few days, right? And, uh, you know, the Michigan fans are excited, but also like, what were you doing flirting with the NFL like that? Kept I would flirting. imagine. Yeah. And like, he's he, not just flirting with, you know, the Vikings. I mean, he, yeah. the man got flirty with a lot of teams. Well, and that brings us to the question to George McCaskey from a couple of days ago about Jim Harbaugh and the way McCaskey answered it. I mean, it's pretty clear there were conversations. Yes, thank yeah. you. I mean, like that's like that's my sense. Now, I, you could if you tell me that the Bears should have hired Jim Harbaugh, you can sell me on that. Absolutely, sell me on that. He had a, a great uh, coaching record with San Francisco. We saw what he did with Colin Kaepernick. We saw what that offense did. We saw what he did at Michigan last year. We know what kind of guy and what kind of coach he is and what kind of staff he'd bring in. Right. But knowing Bears ownership and how they went about this process, Jim Harbaugh just didn't fit what they were looking for. They clearly were looking for a GM and they wanted that GM to hire a head coach. And that's doesn't that's not how Jim Harbaugh operates. And, you know, Harbaugh is going to want a lot of personnel control. And, And so, like, now you could tell me that Harbaugh deserves that and the Bears should have. Gone does to him he though? First. Do, but, but but does he though? You can convince me of that. Okay. I don't. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd go there because I just. I just don't know how. That, that just. That, there's only a select few coaches in the NFL that, that really works for. I'm not sure if he's at that level. But I, I understand why Bear, there are some Bears fans that really wanted Jim Harbaugh and are frustrated that he wasn't an official interview or whatnot. But I also can see from the Bears' perspective why that just wouldn't fit what they were looking for. Now, now, admittedly, like I, I'm on record on this podcast saying that Jim Harbaugh strikes me as a candidate that you don't really interview. You kind of give him the job. Now, I, I've said that in, the, in this podcast, but the Bears clearly were committed to the process, to this wide-ranging process. And if you're reading between the lines in terms of what George McCaskey said, Jim Harbaugh had no interest in being part of that process. That what I said or what I felt was probably true. That he that he felt he deserved the job. He he felt that, like it was just going to be no interview, just the offer. And I think if you look at the reports coming out now from Bruce Feldman from the Athletic or Adam Schefter from ESPN or anybody from Minneapolis right now, like he expected to get that job without going through the process the Minnesota Vikings wanted to go through. I mean, it tells me he doesn't understand how this works, right? 
Like especially especially with the Vikings and a brand new GM, a, a brand new GM that Harbaugh has connection with from San Francisco. But like like if you're, I, I mean, unless you're a brand new GM and you have always had your heart set on Jim Harbaugh. But like I would imagine, if you're a new GM, you want to go about this process in a certain way. That doesn't involve just giving the job to somebody right away without doing your due diligence. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was unnecessary angst. I, I get the feelings of, look, why didn't you interview Jim Harbaugh? But you know what? Only one team ended up interviewing Jim Harbaugh, this coveted candidate, supposedly. And then just look how like it, it played out. First, the connections, like the, the report that he was going to listen to the NFL. Then you had the obvious Bears connections. Then the Raiders became the obvious connection. There, and then there was the report about the Dolphins and how they became his, you know, ideal landing spot. Then all of a sudden, you have his relationship with the Vikings' new GM. This is his spot. He's going there to, you know, with the expectation he's getting the job. I just thought, it, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it was just unnecessary grievances. We'll, we'll call it about the Bears' process. Do you think when we're in the Muggs Auditorium in late January 2026, someone's going to be asking George McCaskey <laughs> if he talked to Jim Harbaugh? You went there. You went there. I, I'm willing hey, based to give on, these. Based on the interview we've got coming up, we're not going to be in the Muggs Auditorium for a long time. Our, our oh, guy, Zach Kiefer, yes. you know, that's a good that's a good sell job. But not that that was Zach's intent, obviously. Zach's an incredible reporter. He's just telling us how it is. There's a lot of uh, respect for the new Bears no, head coach. No, no, so I'm talking a little bit in jest. But, no, no, hey, no. listen, when you've gone through as many Bears head coaching searches as we have, it's okay to be a little cynical about this entire thing. i got to give you a, a, a tough time. According to the timeline of this podcast, Kevin, that interview has not happened yet. <laughs> yeah, I said that's coming up. Oh, I know. First, it's Hulk showing how the sausage is made. Now it's Kevin showing how oh, the sausage is made with the Hulk and John's podcast. Yeah, but all right. You're right. <laughs> um, we're going to play these these voicemails here soon enough. And now, like my my sense is that they're, they're going to be kind of wide-ranging from one side hating this to the other side being okay with this. Um, these voicemails were recorded before uh, – the, any coaching hires were made. I'm talking about staff members, Alan Williams, um, Luke Getze. So um, take that with a grain of salt in terms of what uh, folks have to say. But you yeah, mean there's I, not a there's not a Dave Borgonzi email uh, voicemail. No, there's not a Dave Borgonzi email. Here I am showing now. I've listened to these voicemails already. So, <laughs> well, let's just get to them, Kev. Play those voicemails, Kent. Hello. Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know. Your ass better call somebody. The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! I hate this team. So f***ing much. Eberflus is a f***ing joke of a hire. This team is trash. I cannot believe I waste my time rooting for this garbage-ass team. Of all the coaches to hire, 
they hire garbage Eberflus. Hey, this is Sam checking in from Indiana. Uh, the Matt Eberflus hire has just been announced. It's uh, kind of exciting. I just want to know from you guys, though, uh, should I set a calendar reminder for four years from now minus two weeks or five years from now minus two weeks when these guys are going to get fired? Ryan and Matt, round two, here we go. But in all seriousness, they're going with another one side of the ball guru. And on this attempt, it is just not even anywhere near the, the biggest priority of the franchise, which is Justin Fields. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Why are we worrying about – if we're taking defense, I would have taken Dan Quinn or Brian Flores. I mean, Matt Eberflus is beyond underwhelming. He's more underwhelming than Jim Caldwell, and that's saying something. I just – I can't see an offensive staff being put together under this guy that would that work out any differently than John Fox 2.0. Uh, I, I guess bear down until – we're in the same spot next year. Bear down. The only thing I got to say is trust the process, I guess. You know, I, I think Matt Eberflus is, it was a great candidate. He's going to be a great head coach. Obviously, not high on a lot of people's lists up at the top, but, you know, you got to look at the body of work. He did a great job with the Colts last couple of years, great defense. I watched a lot of hard knocks with the in season one with the Colts, and I think that. You know, he's he's a really motivational guy. He knows what he's talking about, rallies the troops a lot. And honestly, I think it really depends on who he brings in as a staff. Hey, this is John in Wisconsin. I've listened to your show for at least four years now. First time ever calling in. I don't want to doubt Ryan Coles on day three, but honestly, I cannot believe this. We hired Matt Eberflus. The defense lost a must-win game to make the playoffs against the Jags. Gave up 26 points, a Jags season high, and this is the guy we hire. Talk me off the ledge, guys. Bear down. Yeah, this is, uh, this is this bullshit, this Eberfus. Y'all had me so dialed in on this Dan Quinn, and now we got the Eberfus. Not happy about this. Yeah, I kind of like it, to be honest with you. Um, I like the fact that this is a first time head coach. Uh, I think Dan Quinn, who, you know, that's who we thought was going to be the guy for the last couple of days. I think he was a little overrated. Uh, you know, he had Shanahan and LaFleur on that that Falcons team that went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'll give the guy a chance. But uh, no reason to be mad for no reason, you know. All right, here we go. We're going to run it back with Ryan and Matt. A little strange, but let's do it. Who the hell's our offensive coordinator? That's all I want to know. Bear down. Well, it's not the sexiest hire, but hear me out. What if these guys are actually good and do a good job? Bear down, baby. I, I called and called. I just can't. Eberflus? Woo! He think Justin's on the defense. My goodness. Here we are. I love the hire of Ryan Pace. I love the hire of Mark Trestman. I love the hire of Matt Nagy. Ryan Poles didn't excite me too much. Matt Eberflus certainly did not excite me too much. That must be a good indication. We must be on the right track. Bear down, boys. Now I know why I hired a 36-year-old. Completely submissive to the Kasky, Polian, Phillips, whatever the hell that is. Oh, my God. I, I've hated the Colts ever since they beat us back in the Super Bowl year. Um... I am so happy we we went with Matt Eberflus over Dan Quinn and Jim Caldwell. Uh, I currently live in Atlanta, and everyone here is our hardcore Falcons fans, and I just heard nothing but horrible 
things about Dan Quinn, about his schemes. Uh, Matty Rafluse. We don't know what type of coach he'll be. We already knew the type of coach that Dan Quinn and Jim Caldwell will be. You know, you, 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 your resume is more than your last few games, but if you've blown your chance of your team going into a playoff by being demolished by the Jaguars and the Raiders as the defensive coordinator, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, how is this guy the most impressive head coaching candidate? Hey, it's Gerlene from Lakeview. Matt Eberfluss. You know, I like it. Uh, I runs a tough defense in Indy. He's uh, pretty solid in points a lot. I think he's been top 10. Uh, leads the league usually within the top five in turnovers as well. Just got to figure out who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Let's find out. Hey, Hoagie Cat. Hey, John Z. Babe. It's Bob Dabrowski calling in here, and I am jazzed. J-A triple Z E D jazz about these new Bears coaches, Bears GMs. I love it. Um, it's, you know, obviously we got this uh, coach, Matt Everflows, and, uh, you know, he's a defensive guy, which is okay by me. I mean, it's going to be real important to uh, put together a rock-solid offensive staff, and I'm hearing a lot. I'm hearing a lot of great things. I'm hearing um, Mike Kafka or McDaniels as O.C., I'm hearing Peyton Manning is going to be the quarterback's coach. Jarrett Peyton, they're bringing back as the running back coach. Uh, you know, you're going to bring Harry Heastad in. He's going to coach the all-line. I've heard Tommy Waddle is going to be the uh, receiver's coach. It might take a little bit of cash to lure him away from his cushy job at ESPN, but I think the Bears can do it. And, of course, naturally, stick up for the tight ends. You've got to bring back coach. Uh, the defense, you know, I... I would not mind keeping uh, Sean Desai around. I, I did hear that they put out a feeler to Dick Buckus to help Roquan Smith, uh, the Montezuma missile, but that that could be just a rumor. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, boys, let's go Bears. Super Bowl 2022, or 23, I guess. Let's go get it done. Bear down. Bobo with the right sense of optimism. Don't listen to his. Don't listen to the news. He's just trying to break. But Dick Buckus active on Twitter, not a Bears coach. True. I like the Tom Waddle the uh, their shout out. Yeah. Might have to take a pay cut uh, to join the Bears. Uh, some of these assistants do quite well. Quite <laughs> well. Uh, Kev, what we expected. You know, you either hate them. You're okay with them. I don't know if you love them quite yet, but uh, that's Bears fandom, I think, at this very moment. Uh, uh, you're writing like a book on Matt Eberflus, I feel like, at this point. You're up to like a thousand interviews on this guy. The The information you're gathering, what are you learning? And then how do you feel like after interactions with them this past week? Yeah, it's uh, it might be a short story. It might be a... <laughs> As opposed to a novel, we'll see. Um, it, you know, he. I hate to say this, but he's a football guy. I mean, and what's interesting, a lot of people like that I've talked Bears to, fans been clamoring for a football right? guy for years. Yeah. So, like a lot of people I've talked to, you know, talk about how he loves football, and I, I kind of say, like, "Oh, wait a second. Everybody who's in this profession says they love football, and they like they they interrupt me. They go, "No, no, no, no." You understand this about depending on when the person knows him, he's either Eber or he's Flus. People from his Toledo days call him Eber, and they'll say they they tell me like, no, 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 you don't get it about this guy. Like he loves football, 
And, you know, people I talked to said they're not surprised he's a head coach. They're only surprised it took this long. Now, obviously, I'm talking to people that are close to him that view him with uh, uh, not even rose, rose-colored glasses. I mean, th- these are these are friends. These are colleagues. Um, I understand that. So not, none of this is going to project whether or not he's actually going to be a good coach. But I think it's just worth noting that this guy's dedicated his life to trying to this sport. And he was built on toughness and effort and intensity, all those things that he said in that press conference, that's who he was as a kid. That's who he was as a player. That's who he was as a GA, as a linebackers coach, as a secondary coach, as a coordinator. Like, that's just who he is. Um, You know, I talked to one of his high school teammates who said, like, he hasn't changed. He's like, yeah, he changed in the way that we all change as we get older. But, like, he's just as intense now as he was when he was on the football field. So, like, Again, I don't know if that means he's going to be a good coach, um, but I think it helps. And you wrote this last uh, weekend, John C. It helps show what the Bears liked about him and what Ryan Poles liked about him. That, like, there's no BS with this guy. He just is a football coach and he just wants to win football games. I don't understand the recent mockery. No, that's too strong. Critiques of this effort based, loaf based system when. We know it works here in Chicago. Get what I'm it's saying? Fu- like, yeah, I, yeah. I, it's funny to hear a guy walk through the the what the, the acronym. It's like it's kind of like I kind of chuckled as he was going through it. Um, but you're right. But I think what you just said. It we know it works. Like this guy wouldn't be at this point in his career if if players didn't buy into what he was trying to sell on them. Like maybe he didn't do a good sell job at his first ever press conference as a head coach. But like that's not how he needs to be judged. It's it's can he sell that to Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn and Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, when he meets these guys in person for the first time in a few months? Like that's what's going to matter. And, and from everybody who's played for him or or, or coaches him, he, he knows how to do that. I just think if you're going to dismiss this grading system that the Bears are bringing back to Hallis Hall, which again we know works because Lovey Smith. Love him or hate him, more wins than losses. A lot more wins than losses. Some of the best players of the modern era have played for him. Right? He got guys to buy in. Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Some of the offensive guys as well. Of course, there's concerns with quarterbacks. But again, if you're going to dismiss, roll your eyes at this effort-based system that's coming to Hallis Hall, then you know what? Anytime a former athlete's on your talking about... You know, great players just want to be coached hard. Dismiss that too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it can't be one or the other. I do think, I've always bought into the idea that the best players want to be coached by the best coaches and they want to be coached hard. Bill Belichick is a great example. I believe that. And if you're going to dismiss the effort-based system, then dismiss that idea as, as, as well. You know, I and I get, like... I think what people have to understand, too, is Ed Heberflus is still going to individualize what he does with different players, right? Like, he's going to meet some of them on their level. He's going to challenge them in different ways. But I think it's great to have this overriding philosophy for everyone involved in his system right now. You know, I'm one of those people. I sometimes scoff at words like culture and identity because if you have good players and you have a good scheme, you're going to win games. You know, everyone ripped Matt Nagy for the weekly captain thing. 
you know what? They had weekly captains in 2018 and nobody seemed to care, right? Because they won. So, But having said that, you can tell, having been in this building, having seen what happened the last three years, that they needed a, a, a culture shock, that they needed a different type of identity than they had under the previous you know, previous three regimes. You go back through, you know, John Fox and then through Mark Trussman. Um, and you, you got to, you know, I, I think I think there was never any concern, I think, about Vic Fangio's defense and, and when it came to effort and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think you, you needed something like this. And, you know, John's, I had a lot of friends and family that were getting kind of annoyed with me because they text me, what do you think of Ryan Poles? What do you think of Matt Eberflus? And I would say, like, nobody knows. Nobody can sincerely say that either one of them is going to end up being the right hire. And I think, though, honestly, you know what's going against both of them is who hired them, right? And it has nothing to do with them. It's not their fault that the team that picked them has had a very bad recent history of making these hires. So it's not their fault. But we just never know. You know, Matt Nagy was coach of the year in 2018. There was nary a complaint about him. You know, some play calling things, some timeout things. You look at the Giants game, the Dolphins game, and then, of course, the playoff loss. But it was it was parades. It was carnivals. Everybody was excited about Ryan Pace that year. And then we saw what happened. Right? Look at the first three games of the Mark Tressman era. When they go 3-0, and right? Like, so these things, you, you just, uh, to use a phrase from a, a, a colleague of mine, there's ebbs and flows that come with this stuff. And I, I just, I, I think just based on what we know about these guys, like you understand why they were the Bears choice. And now we just kind of, we wait and see. Ebbs and flus. Ebbs and flus. Shirt coming to obvious shirts uh, pretty soon. I was critical of the Bears process. I think some of that was part of my own impatience as different candidates were added like every single day. I felt like every day they're adding two more interviews, which is fine. The more I learn about the process, the more I've come around on the process. George McCaskey wanted this this wide net cast, obviously. Got what he wanted, but then that became very narrow once they heard what they wanted and identified the right candidate in Ryan Poles because it intensified rather quickly. But you're right. We don't know yet. We just don't know. You, you looked at the Mark Trestman and Matt Nagy eras, and maybe they should have adjusted. Maybe they couldn't adjust, and that was part of the problem. And to go back to what one caller said about John Fox, Matt Eberflus is different. This isn't. This is his first opportunity. This is not John Fox's third team anymore. Right. Different team. Well, and different and it goes. It, it goes back to the quarterback too, right? Because. Like with Lovey, there was never concerns about the defense or taking the ball away or the effort. It was about can the offense match it? Can the offense complement it? And and you know it wasn't so much a revolving doors of offensive coordinators as the problem. It was a revolving door of offensive coordinators who didn't work. If you have a revolving door of offensive offensive coordinators here who who are good, that's fine. You take that. But a lot all this you know still points back to Justin Fields and if he's the guy and if he could perform. Well enough to, you know, when, when Vic Fangio got hired in Denver, John Z, and then we were all like that, you know, good for Vic. We all saw what he did here. We all saw how respected he is. And then what was it? Two months later, 
they they acquired Joe Flacco. That day, I thought, I was like, he's done. It's just not going to work because. And then you have know, to go to Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, and 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 now Vic Fangio's you know looking for a DC job. Like if you just if you can't figure out how to get that position right, and and the Bears haven't in a long time, it doesn't matter what your vision is, what your identity is, or how good your or frankly how good your defense is. Well, that's the story of the Ryan Pace era, isn't it? Yep. He was determined to get that position right. Took enormous swings on it in the draft. Spent draft capital. Spent a lot of money in free agency. Knowing that those guys aren't exactly going to be home runs, but you got to do something at the position. Tried over and over and over again to get it right. And then he drafts Justin Fields at the end. And now it's on his, his replacement, Ryan Poles, to build around him. Like if Ryan Pace is right about Justin Fields, it's Ryan Poles who now stands to benefit from it. So it's interesting to see what it's going to be interesting to see what Ryan Poles does around Justin Fields this year, next year, and every single year that he's here. And that's why I'm looking forward to getting to know Luke Getze and and how this scheme is going to work. You know, it seems like good, you know, uh, the offensive line coach comes from the Kyle the Shanahan tree. Um, you know, you got a wide receivers coach reportedly coming in who's got a lot of experience at that position. Uh, still curious who the quarterback um, coach is going to be. Um, but, you know, I like that he hired Gutsy. I like that he hired a younger guy who's got, who comes from, you know, kind of three different offensive backgrounds, but the main one with Joe Moorhead really seems to fit what Justin Fields could do well at this level. And so it's going to be, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to kind of hearing Luke Getze's vision. Maybe we'll talk to him at some point uh, before the start of the 2022 season. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. How about we get a little bit more on Matt Eberflus's vision? Ebs and Fluses. Ebs. Oh, he could just split up his name. Eber. I, I like that. That's a fun fact. You should start calling him Eber instead of Fluce in press conferences because that's going to happen. Like I think everybody, the Toledo guys I talked to call him Eber. So I gotta, yeah. I gotta investigate when he, when it made the shift to Fluce. It might be an NFL thing. That might Fluce. shock him if you go, hey, hey Eber. You know, a question about your offense here. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, ah, I dare you. you. He would say to me, he goes, you're a Toledo guy, aren't you? Uh-uh. Listen, I'll say, well, Matt, I've driven past it a few times, and you're in. No, but you're in. Yeah. I dare you. Um, let's bring in Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. He covers the Colts in the NFL for us for more on Matt Eberflus. All right, let's move on. Now we're joined by our good friend Zach Kiefer. Uh, he covers the Colts for The Athletic. Um, Zach, what's going on? How's it going, guys? Um, be sure to follow Zach at Z Kiefer, right? Double E? Yes, sir. Kiefer at Z Kiefer. Um, you just did a great story on uh, Pat McAfee. The the guy does everything. He does wrestling. He's got his own successful show with Aaron Rodgers. I guess. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so be sure to check that out on the Athletic. But he's here not to talk about some famous punter, um, but Matt Eberflus. 
Um, I, I'm just curious, Zach, just, just off the top, when, when his name hit the head coaching circuit, your first thoughts on that? Yeah, my first thoughts, is this the year? This dude's interviewed a lot over the years. I mean, his first year in Indianapolis, he was just a first-time coordinator, got an interview with the Cleveland Browns. He's interviewed with a couple teams since. And there was a little frustration on his part that he wasn't getting these jobs. Two or three or four interviews with teams, most of them went offense, right? And I kind of assumed the Bears would do the same. I'm sure a lot of fans out there assumed that. But Matt's ready. He's been ready for this for a long time. He's been prepared. Um, he said he spent a lot of time in the off season when he had some time off to really prepare himself for these head coaching interviews. And then obviously this time he did enough to get Ryan Poles to give him the job. So he's been gunning for this opportunity for a long time. And Zach, one of the things that we've learned about Eberflus he's intense right and he's like a, a real football guy and he, you know, he has his acronyms and his loafs and all those things but clearly he's been able to relate to players like that hasn't been an issue I'm curious like from you know knowing how what I guess what did players think of him in Indianapolis because it didn't seem to phase them that he was all about hustle and intensity and effort and all those things yeah you, you guys need to get ready to hear about loafs because you're going to hear a lot about that and so are the bears defensive players it's a big deal with him he literally will call guys out in film sessions every single week and be like darius leonard you had six loafs that's not good enough so he loves that stuff he loves the hits principle but to answer your question like like matt walked into a defense that was horrendous in 2017 the year before he got to indy his first day with the defense he sat them down and said look guys we're going to change everything we do here. This is going to be the hardest system you've ever played in. And with Flus, it's a really simple concept. He needs his guys to play harder than they've ever played in their careers. So I know that every coach wants their guys to play hard, but like Flus lives it. Um, you're going to hear a lot about hustle and finishing and the characteristics of his defense that are going to jump out to you guys maybe by midseason you're going to see gang tackling like you've never seen. You're going to see three and four and five guys to the ball. You're going to see hustle. And if guys don't hustle, they're just not going to play. And you're going to have some guys that can't get on the field because they're not hustling in practice. And that's just a staple of who this guy is. But he's got, he's got his tenets of what he believes how football should be played. And it might take a little while in Chicago. But in some talking to people that are headed that way to coach with them, they like the pieces they're starting with. You guys know that the Bears have a good defense, and it's it's it might take a little while for him to get guys to buy in, but he definitely coaches a different way. These guys are going to have to play 100% all the time to see the field. For, for you, what, what are the signs of that buy-in, especially like early on? I, I just think back to like when Lovey Smith was here and the same system was installed, this, this loaf-based grading system that – uh, he he brought with brought from Tony his days with Tony Dungy. Rod Marinelli became a part of that, and obviously passed it on to to Matt Eberflus. But Lovey Smith had like Brian Urlacher. Lovey Smith had Lance Briggs. Lovey Smith had um, even on the offensive side Olin Krutz, guys who became his leaders. So just in terms of like the early signs of, of the buy in and that leadership, where did you see it in Indianapolis and like who became his guy on the field? That's a good question. Um, you're gonna see it. You're gonna see it in Chicago because uh, I'm just gonna warn you guys. The scheme can be very frustrating, and if you've watched it before, it gives up a lot of completions. It gives up a lot of yards, and there's times when a two minute drill they just drive right down the field. It's supposed to be designed, you know, the bend don't break. They give up field goals, not touchdowns. Um, but what happened in Indy was they became a turnover machine. 
I mean, this goes back to Chris Ballard when he was in Chicago, and he believes this to his core is you've got to turn the football over to win. And if you're going to give up yards, you have to do something to counter that. 107 takeaways in Eberflus's four seasons. I think that's second in the league over that span. And, and it was insane this year. They were second in the league, 33 takeaways. The guy that took it to another level was Darius Leonard, who Ballard drafted and then texted Peanut Tillman and said, we just drafted the linebacker version of you. You guys know all about the peanut punch. Leonard is so damn good at that. And he had his hand in 11 or 12 takeaways this year by himself. So that's that's what this system is designed to do. They use the speed and the length of guys like that. So it was Darius Leonard at the linebacker spot. And then a guy who nobody knew about before Flus took over is Kenny Moore, who became one of the best slot corners in the game. He was too short, undrafted, cut by the Patriots, lands in Indy. And he's got these long arms, and he tackles well. So, so the the staples of Ibuflus's defense are speed. They're going to tackle really well. You're not going to see a lot of missed tackles, and they're going to swarm. Like they're going to wear offenses down because these these guys are not going to be tackled by one guy. It's going to be two to three to four. So when it's working, they're going to give up some yards and some completions. They're not going to give up a lot of points, and they're going to wear offenses out by just tackling the heck out of them. Zach, in what ways did Eberflus adapt that defense when he needed to? Um, you know, it, I, I've heard and read about certain, whether it's players or, or switching something up. What ways did you kind of see him if things weren't going a, as well, ideally, that he showed that ability to be flexible? Yeah, one of their best wins was in 2019. Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback, and so there were obviously limitations on offense. But they went into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, and they were down two or three starters in the secondary. It was an absolute masterful game from Flus, and he's able to do that because the Colts have had a lot of turnover in the secondary they haven't any haven't had any real studs besides Moore but the one guy that really changed everything was DeForest Buckner on the defensive line then they were you know they were terrific against the run in his four seasons the one thing that's a huge problem in in Indy and I know Flus, you know I don't really put this on his shoulders this is more of a GM thing they, they've not had an elite pass rusher since Robert Mathis in the early 2010s so he was, ha- he was really put in a position to manufacture pass rush, and he could do it to a certain level, but they let some guys walk last year in free agency, and they just weren't good at getting after the passer this year, and that was a problem. Again, I put more of that on the GM decisions and the personnel department than I do the DC because he was trying to make the best of what he had, and he didn't really have a lot of options in that department. So if he looks at the Bears roster, and he's got 52 and 94 on the edges, guys who have sacked a lot of quarterbacks, in their days. Now, I, I know they're on the wrong side of 30. I know Cleo Mack is coming off injury. Uh, Robert Quinn uh, just had a bounce back year. But when he when he looks at them, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought this up. Like, what, what do you think he sees in, in the Bears' like defense? Who do, who do you think a- appeals to him when he's starting to, let's, well, let's say, scheme for 2022? Yeah, he's going to start with those two. He did not have that in Indy at all, ever. Not one of those guys, not one of those, not one player at that level. Um, he doesn't blitz a lot. He just wants his pressure to win up front. He likes to call his defense a rush and cover, right? You just rush with the four and then you cover in the back end. And over time, the quarterback's going to make mistakes. Now, they didn't have the guys to put the quarterbacks under pressure in Indy. He's going to have that with Quinn. Quinn just had, what, 14, 15 sacks? More than um, that, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Khalil Mack is still Khalil Mack, at least from what I've seen. It'll be interesting to see what he does with with Roquan Smith in the middle of the field because I don't think he has a Darius Leonard. And and Leonard does a lot of different things. He's so fast. He's so long. He's such a 
you know, Darius had 19 tackles in his second game with flu. So we kind of knew right away, like, this is going to be the guy they build around for years. But um, I would say the personnel is probably a step up in Chicago in terms of getting after the pass rusher. And that's going to be something he never had in Indy. And that's going to be fun to watch to see what he does because he's not going to call a lot of blitzes. He's just going to bank on his guys to win their one-on-one matchups. And that helps the rest of the defense. Zach, what, what should Bears fans know about Allen Williams, the new uh, defensive coordinator? And he'll he'll be, the, I mean, it's obviously going to be Flus's defense, but Allen Williams is going to be the one calling the plays on Sundays. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I actually assumed that Flus would call the plays, but but I liked his answer that he gave you guys. Like, look, you got to be in charge of everything when you're the, when you're the head coach. Um, Allen Williams is, is a Tony Dungy disciple. This was his second run with the Colts. Um, you know, he was there coaching the safeties back when Dungy helped the Colts win a Super Bowl. And then he's he was back this last couple of years, one of the most respected guys in the building. Frank Reich talks very highly of him. And another guy that's coming, it's 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 one of the it's gonna be one of the best position coaches the Bears have is Dave Borgonzi. He's been critical, not just with Darius Leonard becoming the worst draft pick of of the 2018 draft, according to some, to NFL defensive rookie of the year, but you know, EJ Speed's been good when he's played. Bobby Okereke stepped up. I mean, he's had a hand in all these linebackers playing well. The Bears have some good linebackers. These guys, these guys know what they're doing. These are big losses for the Colts, big gains for Chicago's defense. We're talking to Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. He covers the Colts and the NFL for us here again at The Athletic. Check out his piece. Um, Pat McAfee always has great stuff. Zach, um, the way the, the season ended for the Colts, Two losses to to the Raiders, uh, or, or loss to the Raiders, loss to the Jaguars. Back to back losses. They they missed the playoffs. If you're looking at Eberflus and you're trying to be critical, like what's the best way to look at the finish for the Colts? I mean, was was that his defense, or was that the problems more so on offense with Carson Wentz? It was on Carson Wentz and the offense and the passing game. Um, the defense wasn't great late in the season. I'm not going to excuse them because this is an organizational failure. We don't have to go into that. This is a Bears podcast and a Colts podcast. But Flus's defense was put in difficult positions time after time after time because of turnovers, interceptions, stilted drives. The passing game just disappeared. And so Darius Leonard and his defense would have to go back on the field. The one thing they didn't do well this year that they've been exceptional at the last couple of years is stop the run. If you guys remember that Bears-Colts game in 2020 during the pandemic, that was about as good as that defense ever played. I mean, they played lights out that day. Um, I don't even think Phillip Rivers played that well, and the Colts won pretty convincingly. But um, they slipped a little bit this year. The Colts are not bringing back their defensive line coach, Brian Baker, probably because of that, because he didn't do a very good job with that run defense up front. But again, without a lack of pass rush, you know that makes everything harder. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what Flus does in terms of implementing his style on the Bears, because there's so many question marks about the offense. Um, I, I think he'll get this defense rolling pretty quick. Zach, what, what's your sense on Frank Reich and his strategy with the defensive staff? Because I think for you know Bears fans are kind of conditioned to assume doom and the worst. And they have right to do so. So when they see Alan Williams is coming over here, Borgonzi's coming over here, there's going to be more. They're thinking, oh, wait a second. Like, if, if, if these guys were really good, wouldn't the Colts be keeping them? And then my response has generally been, well, a, a new coordinator is going to want to bring in his staff as well. We, we kind of we understand how this cycles through. But I guess from Indianapolis's perspective, like, or, you know, as these guys are let, getting let out of the building, like, kind of what's your sense of how that all went down? 
No, that's a fair concern. And um, I think the Colts are going to respect Matt and, and his – it's the same thing last year when, when Nick Sirianni took the Eagles job. They let a couple coaches go. And, and no, they don't want to let good coaches go. Jonathan Gannon runs the, the defense in Philly, and now Allen Williams will do the same thing in Chicago. But I think the Colts are taking an open mind to, to the opportunity of hiring a new defensive staff with a little bit of a different scheme. Now, they, they liked Fluce and they loved what he did, and he was top 10 every year, and that says something without an elite pass rusher, right? That's even harder. But the reality is, the reality is, like, they, they, it's amazing that this worked as well as it did. Like, it's crazy that it, this worked. This was an arranged marriage. And, Frank Reich didn't pick Mac Eberflus. And I think it's a credit to both of those guys that they made it work as well as they did. And this is kind of the stuff that we see in this league a lot, right? People skills. And like Frank Reich's really good at it. Matt Eberflus is really good at it. This was an arranged marriage that probably fails in most cities, right? Probably fails in a lot of places. It's a credit to both of those guys that not only did they work well together, but I think they made each other better. You know, Frank would go into the defensive meetings and kind of sit in the back row and just let Flus run the show and say, maybe, you know, if I'm a quarterback, I'm thinking I attack here, and they would bounce things off each other. So, you know, Eberflus comes from that Rod Marinelli tree. Ballard loves that, that Lovey Smith tree. And 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 Ballard had a big play in hiring Matt Eberflus in 2018. It wasn't just Josh McDaniels, but Frank essentially rehired him three times, right? I mean, Frank could have moved on. I didn't pick you. You weren't my DC. Flus did such a good job and was such a good guy to work with that they kept him and then he started getting head coaching interviews. So that tells you what Frank Reich thinks of him. And, and I think he'll be really good in that side of building a building a, a staff and building a roster and all the stuff kind of behind the scenes that we don't see. He's really good at that stuff. See, I, I see Eberflus, Flus, I got to get used to calling him Flus, Flus. Yeah. Um, like he's bringing guys with him from Indianapolis. Matt Nagy brought nobody with him. That's wild. For, from Kansas City. Yeah, these no guys way. love Flus. They want to work for him. Yeah, so I, I think that's that feels notable to me if, again, if you want to compare and contrast to what just happened in, in 2018. Um, last one for you, Zach. Um, like Matt Eberflus, again, Flus, sorry. Flus did not talk at length about Justin Fields, but I feel like he has a favorable viewpoint of what maybe Fields can be. I, I'm, I'm just curious, based on... Your experiences, obviously, Philip Rivers was there. Carson Wentz had his problems and some success last year. What do you think Flew sees in Fields? What, do, what does he want offensively from the Chicago Bears? What an attractive piece if you're if you're looking for head coaching jobs. And I think Flus was probably going to be willing to take any job he could get. He really wanted to be a head coach. He's been trying and trying for years. And I know he's had some moments that were disappointing where he didn't get jobs. But if you're joining a team and you've got a a, a, a rookie quarterback coming off a rookie year that's got all the talent in the world. you got to love that. They're going to want to be aggressive on offense. And it's been a revolving door at quarterback with the Colts the last four years. And it might be five. Who knows what happens? It's been exhausting for everybody involved, let me tell you. But um, Flus is going to want to be aggressive. He that's his, that's his DNA on defense, and he wants to be aggressive on offense. And I think it's very telling that he had an offensive mind, Luke Getze, in mind from the very beginning. It's pretty clear that that was his target. And when he went into the interviews with the McCaskies, he told them, this is the guy that's going to be our offensive coordinator. This is the guy that we're going to run the offense through. And this is the guy we're going to use to develop Justin Fields. So I don't think you go into an interview with the Bears without all that planned. But that's going to be fascinating because he's going to he's going to have such a good viewpoint from every quarterback he worked with in Indianapolis. He worked with Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck had a really good season in 18. 
He worked with Philip Rivers, who's probably as smart a quarterback as anyone's been around, at least in this building, since Manning left. He worked with Carson Wentz this year, who has his moments of brilliance and his moments of not brilliance. And then, he, you know, Jacoby Brissett, who was a great teammate to a lot of guys. And so I think every defensive coordinator, and, and Flus has told us this, you know, Flus, he learned a lot from stopping practice and asking the quarterbacks what they're seeing. And then Darius Leonard would tell us that, like, Flus, he, like the quarterbacks would tell us a lot, and Flus would learn from the quarterbacks and what they're seeing. And they got a lot from Phillip Rivers last year when he was here. So he works great, not just with defensive players, but with quarterbacks and offenses as well. So, so one more point. On, so it's, that's interesting. He would, when they're doing their defensive installs, or, or even if they're one, ones on ones in practice, he would slow it down, stop, ask Philip Rivers what's what's going on, find the weak spots in his defense and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. They they picked Philip Rivers' brain endlessly. I mean, this was this was when Philip and and Darius weren't talking smack to each other, which happened a lot too. But yeah, <laughs> Flus was great at that. They learned a lot from Philip Rivers and. And the Colts have a timing-based offense that Rivers was really good at, and, and, the, and the Colts defense had to really adapt to that. And I think it made both of the units better. So I think Flus and what he does on defense is going to make Justin Fields a lot better because it's going to make him have to be patient and smart and throw with confidence when it's the right time. So I think facing that Flus defense and as rigid and structured and disciplined as it is is going to make Fields a lot better in year two and three and moving forward. Cool, cool, cool. Um, well, I'm all out. Kev, you good? All good. Zach? You guys deserve like a week off, but I don't think you're going to get one. <laughs> no, instead we got a bunch of snow to deal with. <laughs> right, right. Isn't the combine like tomorrow? <laughs> Never ends, right? It's in uh, 28 days. So 28 Okay, days. all right. You we'll be in your hometown. Off, but then we'll hopefully the snow's cleared by then and, and we'll welcome you down for some shrimp cocktail. Okay, go. you there know, sh- Zach, be a big that the weather's going to be terrible yeah. no matter what. Yeah, but we'll still have it. a good time. I expect it. It's the combine. Um, thank you, Zach. Uh, be sure to follow him at Z Kiefer. Uh, that's at Z Kiefer. Um, he's our Colts writer. Uh, he covers the NFL as well. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, guys. Big thank you to Zach Kiefer, who I think John Z. We, we we love all our athletic colleagues. Zach's one of the best in terms of his writing. So oh, he's phenomenal. Phenomenal. So folks should check out his work. My biggest takeaway. I mean. This was a coordinator who reached both sides of the, of you know offense and defense, but also like how much players and coaches respected him there. You know, because again, we, as we we talked about at the top, like there were people kind of rolling their eyes at hits and loafs and all those things, but it worked in Indianapolis. And maybe the defense wasn't great, and Zach explained some of the reasons for it. But there is a lot of people who believe in this guy um, and, and what his vision is. Uh, and I, I think if you're you know, this is the time of year, right? Whenever we go through these, because you and I have gone through a bunch of these cycles that everybody's kind of, you're reading all these things that are very positive and, and that's okay. Because um, we're just trying to learn about the guy. And I think that the, the takeaway from Indianapolis is this is somebody that they all saw being a future NFL head coach for good reason. I like what Zach said about Iberflus turning to Philip Rivers to learn more. Such a strong sign of, of humility. A, a guy who doesn't think he has it all figured out. A guy who's looking for more answers to, to improve his own defensive unit. I like that. I, I couldn't help but think about what Justin Fields said about how a defensive coach could potentially help him understand defenses a bit better as he takes the next step in his career. So that, I, I, you'll hear people around the league say this all the time, that the head coach, 
quarterback relationship has to be the most important in the building. Like it has to work. And we've seen that not work consistently with offensive coaches here in Chicago. Now you could question what happened with Lovey Smith. Obviously there was a lot of different quarterbacks, but Mark Tressman and Jay Cutler, by the end of it, Jay Cutler was benched for Jimmy Clausen. I think we all know what happened with Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy. Go check out our story if you want a refresher on that. Um, just give him a chance. I, I, I like that Justin Fields was there to talk to us after George McCaskey talked to us, after Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles was introduced. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I think I've become more positive about the the Bears' moves this week as I've learned more about Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. Uh, Zach Kiefer's conversation with us two seconds ago is part of that now, I believe. Yeah, as I said, this is this is what happens, you know, and and, and like you know, people are going to try to you know, old takes exposed us, and these guys don't work out in three four years. But this is what happens when coaches and GMs are hired. You know, you you research them, you talk to people, and, and it's hard to find people who are going to say. Certainly not on the record. Nobody on the record is going to say negative things about these guys. Um, and and you we're just trying to learn how they got to where they are. You know, our story that went up uh, on on Wednesday about Ryan Poles and his scouting background, his offensive line background, I think really speaks to that. Um, the other thing too, here's another takeaway from our conversation with Zach Kiefer, Johns. The Bears need a slot corner, and they need a three technique, and those are going to be some major decisions for Ryan Poles and Matt Eberfuss. That's going to be kind of the first big, uh, you know, personnel matching coaching staff, matching scheme, and and how they're going to marry that together because that was really important for the Colts defense, having Buckner at the three technique, having Kenny Moore, you know, ascend the way he did at slot corner. The Bears don't have anybody right now under contract for next year at those spots. Oh, especially not at slot corner. Right. I mean, Duke Shelley didn't exactly solidify his place in that position. I don't know, Bilal Nichols? Yeah, he's he's going to be a free agent, so you got to figure that out. Akeem um, Hicks, not not exactly the the physical mold that we remember three three techniques being here in Chicago, but, yeah. but I think Nichols wanted some upfield pressure. I mean, he could provide it. For sure. I, I mean, Bilal Nichols to me, if you think back to like Henry Melton, right? And, and you know the role that he played with this defense. If you go back to certain guys, like you can see how Nichols is. You know when they drafted him, versatility was his thing. Um, it's just is is you know and is he good enough to play that role? I think he I think he could be. I think he's got the potential to be. But that you know those are things we're going to learn over the next couple months. Is is how these two are going to work together to kind of build those part, fill those holes on defense. Um, and then obviously you got some needs in offense. And as you and I learned, Ryan Poles is very, very focused on that offensive line. Yeah. And they're going to want some mean, nasty guys uh, to play up front. Can I just share uh, an excerpt from uh, my timeline story? It's up on The Athletic about how the Bears came to Eberflus and uh, Ryan Poles as their top two football guys. Hold on, let me find this. This quote, because when he said this, like, like the football guy in me got a little excited, and I think that's okay. You're always networking. This, this is sorry. This is Ryan Poles talking about his connection with Maddie Bufflus. You got to go back in terms of before I even came into the building. You are always networking. You see what units play at a certain level and how they play their style. For me, it's violence. 
love that quote. I want to see violence in running to the ball and taking the ball away. So you start finding those people and then you give them a call and see how you're connected. You give them a call and just to get to know them at a deeper level. And that's how that relationship starts. So that's how his relationship with Matt Eberflus started with violence. Now, well, we, yeah, I was just, we heard, we heard Zach talk about that Chiefs Colts game from a couple of years ago. You know, Ryan Poles probably took note of what that Colts defense did that yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Now, roll your eyes at the word violence if you want, but football at its most basic level is always going to be violent. <laughs> just ask Pernell McPhee. Yes. No. I, don't, I wish I had Hoag's soundboard here, but yeah, um, I I will be the person to. I am contractually obligated to point out that Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles do share the same agent. Uh, Bears, I call him Bears Shadow President Trace Armstrong. <laughs> um, but you know what? At this level, there's like four agents for every yeah top yeah. coach and top GM. This is just a world that that exists and that that's just how it works it's it, so it's, it's not it's not surprising it's just I, I i will still smirk at it just because of who the agent is and his connection to the bears yes former defensive end trace armstrong it's easy to be suspicious about it but the guy also represents matt Nagy, and he had no problem mm-hmm. with his clients coming in here he'll also and one of his clients and one of his clients didn't come here joe, joe brady. brady joe brady did not come here he, i thought that chose- was a I thought that was a cinch. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's how things work, but he left or did not leave. He chose the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Now, that makes a lot of sense, but we'll see. I, I just don't think alarm bells need to be. No, it, I just have said, it's something I li- I'm going to poke fun at because I, I, I like to, I'm going to kind of build this moniker of shadow president. But uh, yeah, it's I don't I don't think it's anything to be concerned about this is just a lot of a lot of times this is how this stuff works and here's the thing sometimes these guys are represented by the same agents but they don't even like each other <laughs> that's true. And, true and and this isn't matt Nagy hiring mark halford who he never met before as his offensive coordinator right they shared an agent you know this, these guys these guys had an established respect for each other and knew each other and you know, Matt Eberfuss was on Ryan Poles' list when he kind of start got into this process. Um, so, yeah, they believe in the same brand of football. You know what my final takeaway of today is, Kev? Who we needs hope? We should move oh, to San okay. Diego <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's more snow coming here yeah. in Chicago land. I was going to make fun uh, yeah, of Adam no. Hogue, but you went there. Hogue and I were texting. Hogue and I were texting at 7 a.m. on uh, Wednesday, breaking down mixed mixed doubles curling. Anyway, um, this podcast is now over. <laughs> Kevin's been working on that story for a long time, too, but he's got a great piece coming out of Matt Eberflus next week. Well, well, you know, novels take time. Yes, they do. So, he's on and short stories three. do, too. Yeah. Oh, and uh, quick news for everybody. Sean Desai interviewing with oh, yeah. the Las Vegas Raiders today. Not surprising. I thought Sean did an outstanding job, especially given the, the talent mm-hmm. and the injuries he had to do, deal with with the Bears defense. No? Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And uh, Champ Kelly is the assistant GM in Las Vegas. So he's there got you go. Look, connections. There. Mm-hmm. Want another connection? Josh McDaniels and Chris Ballard were the ones that hired Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis before Josh McDaniels bailed on Chris Ballard to go back 
Nobel check. So Josh it all comes full circle. Another connection. It always comes full circle, doesn't that? Yep. But um, all right, that does it. Thanks for filling in, Kev. Um, read us on the Athletic. Uh, you know where to go. Uh, read Adam Hogue on NBC Sports Chicago. Follow us on Spotify. Everywhere you get your your podcasts, wherever that is, on your phones. Um, hit that like button on YouTube. That's it. Obviousshirts.com for all the uh, swag and whatnot. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. See ya. Pool reporter Adam Hodge. Hoge. 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 Hodge. 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 Hodge.